Nuclear Powered Hour. On this week's show, we talk about special edition Warren M8274 winch. And then we're joined for another Great Anarch interview by Andrew Whittem talking about electrifying series vehicles. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Steve Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about our cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or follow us on Instagram at thebarriscollection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I'm the exposed hinge to Stephen's concealed hinge. I'm the immodest hardware of podcasting, Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram at Pangolin 4x4. Let's get started. All right, Ike. Well, in our long-standing series here of Anarch Interviews, we have uh, yet another wonderful interview that we uh, recorded at this year's Anarcha Diamond Jubilee, this time with a gentleman named Andrew Whittem, who has an engineering company that makes uh, electric conversions for your classic Land Rover. He actually did one. He had one there at the show. It's uh, very cool. So we'll get to that interview. But before that, a little bit of news. And this is news that I know you care very deeply about. It is ingrained in you as a as a human being and as a as a brave and loyal Oregonian. A lot of build up here. The 75th anniversary, as you know, this year of Warren Winches just happens to coincide with Land Rover. I didn't realize that, but it is both their 75th anniversary. Of course, Warren Winches, the pride of Oregon. They are coming out with, and I'm not sure if you've seen this yet, a special edition M8274 for the 75th anniversary. I have seen this winch and uh, I want it very badly. It is super cool. Well, unfortunately, you have to enter this contest, which opens July 1st. So it opened this weekend. It is, I don't know how many applications are taking. I don't know, but it is a super cool. If they don't make this special edition winch as like a normally stocked part, I think we're all missing out. It's it's super cool. It's like a, it's sort of got a red body, you know, the, that, that famous worn red. It's got, a, I guess they are all gone to this stripey red and black rope now. I guess that's all. That's the Spidura. new one. Yeah. It used to be silver, right? But now I guess it's, it's for the yeah. anniversary. They've switched it to this black and red. And yeah, it's got, you know, it's side cases red and it's got, it's, it's pretty, I have to say it's pretty cool looking. Striking. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's neat looking. So we'll put a note in the uh, in the show notes to uh, to go to Warren's uh, site to get that. But uh, if you go to their Instagram account, there's there's a bunch of things on it and stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I thought you would be uh, fond of the uh, of that particular winch. As I I know I know the eighty two seventy four is your is your favorite. I uh, love the eighty two seventy four. Wonderful electric winch. Great uh, in uh, just about any application. I like how it's made. Uh like that it's made here in Oregon and in the USA. I like how fast it is. I like how mm-hmm. strong it is. It's pretty much like everything about it. Classic looks, Land Rover, a lot of Land Rover history yeah. with that winch and the yeah. predecessor, the 5687. Can't say enough good things about it. Uh use that on several of my Land Rovers and love it. Just great. So happy to see that they're doing a commemorative edition for their 75th. I guess they when that's the start of the company, but I I think the Bellevue Winch Company 
uh, was making those winches in through the early 50s. Oh, could be. I know they said something in the article about there was a particular PTO winch that they considered to be like the first worn winch product. And mm. that was that was where this from, I guess, 1948. I'm going to have to break out my original set of worn Land Rover freewheeling hubs. And mm. uh, this is a very, very rare set. I've only ever seen one set. Mm-hmm. And uh, these hubs were made uh, in the in the fifties for Series Ones, early fifties yeah. for Series Ones, yeah. and the particular set that I have came on a nineteen fifty three. And cool. uh, what's interesting about them is they they come in a box, right? And they mm-hmm. have worn script on them. It says mm-hmm. worn, and it's it's like in cursive, not in mm-hmm. the block letters that they use today. And they it's basically a a dry flange with no splines, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, when you wanted your hubs to be disengaged, you would fit these drive flanges with no splines in them. <laughs> and then when you wanted four-wheel drive, you'd unbolt them and then bolt the standard drive flanges on. And so the box that I have that came with them, Interesting. that box holds your drive flanges and uh, hardware when you're not using them. And you put that in the seat box and it's all in this blue case and it has the printed card inside yeah. of it. And it says it's for a Land Rover. It's a little greasy, but uh, I'll have to take some pictures of that because it's it's exceedingly unusual that piece, and that's super uh, cool. I can't have made very many of those. That's kind of before <laughs> Warren got super big, and um, not that a was super like practical the... solution to that. Yeah, problem, but uh, yeah, yeah, they called them summer hubs at the time. So oh. yeah, the idea was you'd like put them on for the season or something. And Interesting. Assumably not used four wheel drive during that period of time. Right. Oh, that's interesting. That's really, yeah. So to those who think that the, uh, you know, twist in hub locks are antiquated, uh, it's nothing compared to un- taking nope. your car apart. Yeah. yeah. Let me just quickly uh, switch into four wheel drive. I'll need some tarps in my toolbox and uh, about 45 minutes and then I'll we'll, be right with you. We'll take some pictures of that and we'll put them up on the, uh, the old social media, but that's a really neat uh, tie in uh, Land Rover and Warren that's 75th cool. anniversary th- Thing. I feel like there is a missed opportunity there for some like birthday cross promotion, you know, like a double birthday, you know, and that like friend, you know, from work and you both have a birthday and they make you split a cake. Sort of one of those things, you know, should have done yeah. it. Well, no, it's not too late. I guess we could still late. do that. There's lots got of a, got another six months. Lots of 23 left. We could uh, we could do it um, in in other antiquated technology news. Uh, our very good friend, uh, Steve Owen, has safely made it back to Oshkosh, Wisconsin. He congratulations. Uh, he did not Steve. die uh, on the uh, on the trip. In fact, it uh, looked like uh, he had a great trip back and everybody was happy and healthy and returned to their previously uh, known state. And uh, yeah, it was great. So uh, we had lots of comments after last week's uh, interview went up and uh, lots of people wishing him well and, and not believing that anyone would drive a Series 1 automobile that far. It's uh, very silly. Yeah, but I mean, people have driven them, you know, from, from London all the way to Singapore. So several it's, times and recently. So It's very you know, silly. No, it is silly, but uh, um, good time. It's a good time. It was great to see him and uh, yeah, can't say enough good things about his trip. I uh, sold Steve the engine for his Land Rover, Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, you probably heard about in the interview and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, very impressed that it uh, held together. You know, that uh, engine was not one that we had restored or rebuilt. That was uh, straight off of the 
the pile of engines that we keep uh, behind the shop, you know, right between the refrigerator and the uh, horse, that thing uh, it just came off the top of the pile and uh, he put it in and no problems, really. Oh, that's awesome. He just that's had so to adjust cool. the valves at one point. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty well it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a little valve spring thing there, but got himself turned around and, and headed back out. So really amazing. Speaks to the durability of the series Land Rover engine. It really is. Yeah. And of Steve Owen himself. You know, very durable very, individual. Very sturdy fellow. Yeah, he is. Yeah, thank goodness. Speaking of sturdy fellow, how was uh, your trip back? Balance of the uh, 6,500 mile round trip. How was the How was the return? 3,250 miles. No significant problems. We uh, stopped and visited a lot of places that, uh, you know, normally I think uh, go overlooked. You know, right. Minnesota, the land of 10,000 lakes. Mm-hmm. And uh, North Dakota, I think underrated, at least that time of year. You know, mm-hmm. I think North Dakota kind of gets pretty warm, but I think uh, North Dakota was great. We we checked out the petrified forest. There were mm-hmm. like, you know, sun was setting, various wildflowers are blooming, bison were grazing, you know. Singular just, bison, yeah. No, there were, there were, there were oh, two. There was a oh. sneaky one, you know, those rolling oh. hills. They hide yeah. behind those things. Oh, They'll sneak Jesus. up on you, those bison. Jesus, yeah, you gotta look out. Yeah. Yeah. What did the... Uh, what did the buffalo say to his kid when he went off to college? I don't know. What did the buffalo say to his kid when he went off to college? Bye, son. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Anyway, oh boy. Uh, North Dakota was uh, was wonderful. And yep. then uh, Montana is always gorgeous. A lot of nice scenery, nice stuff to see there. Visited some Land Rover people, checked out some big piles of Land Rover parts. On the way back, we looked at some various Land Rover collections, met with some Land Rover owners. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it was uh, really good, really good. Saw lots, lots of cars, hundreds and hundreds of Land Rovers we visited. Uh, and one Freelander. Owners. One Freelander. Oh. Two Freelanders. Ooh, a secret second Freelander. There is a secret second Freelander, which I might have mentioned to you, but uh, did- we did find a, a mint condition Freelander in a barn. It's in perfect condition. The owner would uh, like to sell it. So contact us if you want right. a perfect Freelander. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's good looking. Specifically, like Stephen and his <laughs> phone number will be in the yeah, show notes. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm the official uh, representative of all things uh, Freelander. Unfortunately, I don't know how I <laughs> assumed <laughs> that role, but uh, I guess it's just what it is. So, brought it on uh, yourself. Yeah, I suppose so. Well, uh, speaking of the most capable and modern vehicles out there, let's pop the eight track into the cassette player and get the interview with uh, Andrew spun up here and see what uh, the world of electrified series Land Rovers has in store for us. All right, let's hear all about it. All right. Well, we're here at Anarch, the Diamond Jubilee, uh, with Andrew Whittem from an amazing company that is taking series vehicles, but not just Land Rovers, but classic vehicles. And imagining a future where we're maybe not using fossil fuels anymore, or certainly not at the at the uh, rate that we're doing now, and still being able to enjoy uh, these amazing uh, classic vehicles, but uh, powered uh, by electricity. So, Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us, and tell us a little bit about it. What uh, you know? What does your company do? Thank you. Well, we're known as Whittam Engineering. We were previously known as EV Land Rovers. But, okay. Um, yeah. Um, two reasons I think I mentioned to you earlier. Yeah. That, uh, we wanted to get Land Rovers out of the name. Sure. For so life. does Jaguar Land Rover. It's true. Yes, that's, uh, yeah, exactly. So you're I in was, fine company. Yes, we weren't aware that that would be a problem. And also, <laughs> when we partnered with another company in the UK, and I'm an American citizen, but obviously I'm English. Yes. Um, and it just so happens that Premier Conversion 
supplier of conversion kits as electrogenic um, yeah. in the UK. And so we part partnered with them and we've expanded the range of classic cars that we can do. Mm -hmm. And it's increasing once monthly. Mm -hmm. But we're really, um, our part is more the Land Rover Defender and series. But right. we're definitely, I've already got a contract just this last week to do an E-Type. Nice. Cool. Um, Porsche, air-cooled Porsches. Cool. The later ones, the 80s, 90s. Yeah. Um, we're going to try and get the 60s and 70s port 911s. Yeah. Um, they're too, uh, to be honest, they're too iconic to take the six-cylinder engine out of, right, in my right, opinion, right, and put right. electric. But we're looking at the 914s and the 912s, which have got the smaller. Yeah, yeah. And they're sure. perfect for that. Yeah, yeah, perfect. And they're yeah, yeah. a lot less value. Right. Also, we've got a complete mini kit. The original oh, cool. mini, which is Awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. Complete dropping kit. And um, we can do bespoke other classic vehicles. But that's the main yeah. range yeah. Yeah. of yeah. vehicles. So if I were to bring you, let's say, a, you know, a Series uh, 3 Land Rover, a two and a quarter uh, mm -hmm. petrol uh, Land Rover, what could I expect from sort of uh, range out of this new car? And is it going to feel a lot different? Is it going to be, you know, what what's the driving experience uh, difference from a, you know, traditional petrol car to one of these converted electric cars? Yeah, really good question. Um, we we can extract a lot of power from the electric motors and torque, a lot more power and mm -hmm. a lot more torque. But our um, ethos is not to go too much, right. too high. I mean, right. we don't want to put 200 horsepower and 600 foot-pounds of torque through a series. Yes, um, right. And it's and just things, not what yeah. they're about. Yeah, so right. What, the algorithms that um, it's a fancy word for saying profile for right. us old guys. Yeah, yeah. We profile the motors to give a very traditional experience. Mm -hmm. So you mm -hmm. can put them in fourth gear. The prototype we've got out here, I just drive it around on the regular roads in fourth gear. And you can just put your foot all the way to the floor and it'll only give you enough power for what the transmission can take at that time. So right. the acceleration is significantly better than yes. a, a Series or a Defender, but it's not crazy. Not, not so much that you're just breaking drive shafts off oh, every time you pull away from the line. <laughs> um, especially with a Defender, we could put that much torque and power through instantly right. and it would destroy everything right. instantly. Right, yes, of course, yeah. <laughs> like putting uh, you know, an LS3 in with 450 horse, yes. it's yes. just ridiculous. Yes. We're just sort of, to use a sort of a trendy word, we're sort of reimagining the classic experience. Right. And that's very much our ethos. We do not want to pimp out or exceed the original sort of right feeling and drivability of these classic cars and there's quite a few things on youtube showing the driving experience under electrogenic they've yeah. got a great youtube channel so yeah awesome. i think uh, uh, people buy these cars because they like that experience and you know for whatever reason they're considering an electric conversion they you know live in a you know a close community they you know their commute is not exceedingly long you know they they want that experience but they don't want to deal with you know, maybe the maintenance associated with a classic car or they yeah, don't exactly. want, yeah. uh, you know, oil leaking out of their car and, you know, these sorts yeah. of things. So uh, I think for a lot of people, they're they're definitely considering this, you know, or they already have yeah. an electric car and they're like, oh, I want an electric classic to, yeah. you know, go get the groceries, pal around town, mm. you know, pick up my family, go to the beach, whatever the, the scenario is. Yeah. Well, and I think certainly there's a world, uh, it's not tomorrow, it's maybe not in five years or ten years, but there's a world where... It's not going to be reasonable to own a petrol car anymore. The fuel is going to become a thing, you know, that in certainly in 20 years from now, you know, I'd love to continue to drive my classic cars, but probably fueling them, you know, is going to be in many cases expensive or, or maybe impossible. Who knows, right? Depending on where in the world you live or, or whatever else. So the uh, idea of being able to 
continue to enjoy that amazing car, but on a modern propulsion system, uh, or at least one you can get fuel for, is a, is really cool. I think that's a, it's amazing. That's exactly right. And I don't see it happening anytime soon, yeah. irrespective of the British government, the EU, right. or the American government. Right. Um, they're just not, it's just not practical. It's yeah. not feasible, but it's exactly to Ike's point. I have a massive enthusiasm from when I park up a series, and I can literally, we were up at the Hamptons the other day, parked between G-Wagons, Lamborghinis. Right. Range Rovers and everything was getting the attention was a gnarly old actually it was a Defender pickup yep. a gnarly old Defender pickup was getting all the attention and but they it's don't different. want to be dealing as I said with a changing gear yep. and dealing with a oily diesel and uh, I'm surprised and really encouraged by the, the enthusiasm here actually because I thought I'd be a pariah almost <laughs> um, because these are real hardcore Land yes, Rover these are the here. oldest, oiliest of yeah, individuals uh, that are here. The yes, crustiest, yeah. definitely. Yeah, the yeah. oil has dried and mm-hmm. become a you know just a flaky substance now yeah. for most of these folks. So I, uh, I but, mean, yeah. I think that this transition is already happening. It's already they already have exclusion zones in certain European yep. cities. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know where you can't take your petrol or diesel powered automobile into the city center of uh, a lot of European cities, and so yeah. if you have an electric uh, Land Rover, you know that's a way to continue driving your classic and still drive into town yeah. yeah the other the other sort of group of people that we would actually um would like to reach out to are eco lodges mm-hmm. uh vineyards yeah uh, quail shoots yeah people where they could get a couple of 109s or defender 110s put their clients in and drive around a vineyard or you know yes. that sort of thing yeah um, and take the clients around, and how cool would that be? They're yeah. An well, ultra cool vehicle and no emissions. So I have a friend that has a safari company in Africa, and he's got a safari camp, and they do like photo safaris and these sorts of things. And you know, they want to take a vehicle out, and uh, you know, traditionally they would have taken a petrol or diesel powered vehicle, and then gone and sat, and then waited for the animals to come by or walk yeah. by or whatever. But with an electric vehicle, you can kind of up. stealthily creep yeah. up on them, and it's not so disturbing to the wildlife. So something, some, like you said, something like a bird watching sanctuary mm. or something like that, where you could yeah. you could take a tour through, just uh, roll up on a bunch of lions and just jump out and surprise them. They love that they in, a soft top land in a softtop yeah, Land Rover. Yeah, that they be, love yeah. that. That's a great. That yeah. would be very sensible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I again, I think it's a it's a really interesting sort of into uh, the distant future, but also a super practical thing to look at. Today, so let's talk a little bit about the process. So you get a traditional car, I imagine. I know the prototype you have here is sort of built from parts, but I imagine most people would have either one that they've purchased or maybe one that has fallen into disrepair or for whatever reason, one they just want to get rid of the, you know, the petrol power plant out of it. What is the process that you go through? First of all, is that something that uh, do I buy a kit from you and then I have to figure out how to do this myself? Do I bring you the car? Does this, do you work through dealers? How does it how does it work? Yeah, really good questions. Two things. We've got two more in the pipeline which need restoration, new chassis, bulkheads, etc. Yeah. That's going to be it as far as uh, Whitam Engineering are concerned because mm-hmm. as we all know, the amount of work that goes into a restoration is far more than you can ever pretty much charge for. Right. I've got two companies already here, even today, very interested in supplying us with their customers' cars that they've done. Right. And they're perfect. Yeah. And then they'll bring them to us. That's what we're talking about. To install yeah. the electric, to do the power plant, com- power plant yeah. and the battery pack, etc. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's our niche, mm-hmm. and um, we we're going to go away from. I don't mind doing the odd little 
sure, repair, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. But right. we're definitely going away from that whole restoration thing, <laughs> and that would be great. Yeah, yeah. You're laughing. Yes, like, no. It in makes horror. sense. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Yeah, no one should uh, do that. I don't yeah. blame you. That's very smart. It's uh, a lot. It's a lot of work. The pack, in terms of the actual. Uh, it's reasonably simple mm-hmm. to install. The amazing kits, and I'd encourage anybody to look at the website, which I'm sure you'll have a Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll put it all in the show to. notes for um, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a lot of information on there, and it's just very simple. Nothing is cut. I have to emphasize that. Nothing is cut or removed okay. that can't yeah. be replaced. Right. And I've got a commission to do an E-Type Jaguar, mm-hmm. and that just comes out as one complete unit and the whole electrification straight onto the rear drive shaft. Interesting. It take, picks up on any of our vehicles, the existing motor mounts and gearbox mounts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the, the process is that somebody you know contacts us, they want to do the conversion and uh, we'll work with them. We'll give them a contract of priority of focus. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll work with that customer. The lead time on the kits from being commissioned to being delivered to us is about three months from the UK. Okay. Yep. So it's yep. not that long, really, but um, they're so expensive, they can't hold. I guess right, Electrogenic right, right. will hold a few kits, but at the moment, they're made to order. Right. So it's about three. It's about a four-month process to get okay. it into your vehicle. And I don't. they don't strike me as an enormous company, so I imagine it's also a, a labor thing as well, right? They can only build so many of them and things. And We are ramping up. You know, the process is, is ramping up quite well, rapidly. Um, There's enough these... demand to, to... Oh, absolutely, yeah. 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 Oh, There's great. too much demand. That's too... why... Not too much. There's never too much. But that's why the lead time is as it is. But it's pretty perfect at the moment because people want to use their Land Rover. They want to use their E-Type etc for the summer so yes. now we're looking at if people start ordering now in the next couple of months it's going to be a winter project which will be perfect for next year but then we'll want to have a backlog of to get the vehicle in they'll only lose their vehicles use for about well it, it should be a lot less but i'm saying a month right i want your vehicle for a month right. so even if it's may june even july yeah you know we can get it in and out That's but quick. It's, it's the lead time yes it's a lot quicker than doing a conversion for sure yeah. i mean a restoration so the lead time is the main time Mm-hmm. And that can occur any time during the year. Right. But one thing I'd like to emphasize, there's absolutely no way, and I've had a few people get a bit cranky with me, wanting to buy the kit and doing it themselves. Right. And yeah. I'm saying, yeah, yeah. great, go and buy the component. I've spoken to another couple of very high-end engineering people here, and they've turned their nose up on that as well, because they've realized that you can buy a bunch of components, which could spend a thousand hours oh, sure. integrating. It's all yeah. very well for yeah. a private individual right. to do that, but... We're using very high voltage, even on yeah. the low voltage. It's 180 volt right, DC, right, which right, will kill you right, right. instantly. Yes. And the 400 volt system will kill you twice as quick. Right. Instantly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It will so it'll be a tenth yeah, of a second, yeah, yeah. not a half a second. Right, so exactly, yeah. this, these are things you can't be... Yeah. You can't be taking a cylinder exactly, help or no- yeah. noodling around it. Right, so. Right. so that's a good. that brings up a good question. So tell us a little bit about your background uh, mm. and how you got into this. Yeah, thanks, Ike. Um, I started off as an aircraft engineer, so mm. I did aircraft engineering apprenticeship in the yep. UK yep. Uh, back in the day, a long day ago, um, over 40 years ago. And I actually uh, specialized at the end with uh, very heavy-duty um, electrics and electronics on the aircraft. And, and we're talking okay. about generators that will power a small village right, on right. an aircraft. They're, you know, it's a massive amount of energy that we were dealing with. So my whole background, actually, is electronics mm. and electrics. Um, and the main reason I specialize in that is because I could stay inside 
Right. <laughs> um, rather than be outside in the cold and the rain. Right. Good call. Yeah. And ever since that, even though I, I went into um, the flying side of it, I've had to, for many places I've lived, like in Papua New Guinea's places, you had to be a licensed engineer as well. And I kept up, even from the 60s, my father had, he was in the military, and we would be driven around in a lightweight, all unrestrained in the back of the lightweight, bounced around, and we were living in Cyprus at the time. I've had them in Papua New Guinea, in the outback of Australia. I've always had a series or a Defender. And then over the last few years, I have been importing them into the UK and doing private commissions to restore and supply uh, mainly defenders. And then uh, a few years ago, we started our company. And, and that was because of COVID, as well as opportunity for a friend of mine who's got an amazing 1920s factory. Oh, cool. And he wanted me yeah. to do a 911 electric. And I said, no way. I said, but we could do Serious Land Rovers, and that's basically how we started. Excellent. Oh, that's very So cool. full-time, building the prototype, and a f- doing a few other defenders in the meantime in a couple of series. For the last three years, the company's actually been officially in, in existence. Oh, cool. So high-voltage engineering. It's in your blood to sit it, a little bit. Yes, it was. Yeah. 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 So you know, not to, to, you know to lick your fingers quickly before touching the orange yeah. cables. Yeah, yeah not right. a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that it's such an interesting market that there's all these different options that you can do. There's, you know, all kinds of companies doing things, but, uh, you know, I, I, obviously, you know, Ike and I are very much in the idea of it should be, uh, professionals do the, the best sort of work and this is extremely dangerous stuff and not even the vaporizing, but the idea that you guys have been through it and you've figured out the torque curve and you've figured out, you know, how to not just break things immediately. You know, I think that's, uh, that's really cool. And I don't think the market is quite mature enough yet to have easy turnkey kits to be able to just drop into no, cars. No, you uh, can't. Maybe I mean, one I'll... day uh, that, that will be the case. But certainly now, I think it's better for your vintage vehicle. It's, it's certainly better for all the very expensive electronic components uh, to probably have experts uh, involved there. Yeah, if um, and I encourage people to have a look at the uh, websites because they're a very, very cool system. It's, it's completely integrated. All the, the nasty stuff is very heavily secured. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, glycol cooled and uh, lots of protections in terms of the electrics, the motor, yeah. the battery management system. That is all integrated in very secure laser cut steel boxes and can only be opened by a professional right. person right. who's right. trained to do that. So they shouldn't be frightened of it in any way. Mm-hmm. It's when you start, well, you're not going to get your Tesla and start pulling out the batteries on Yeah, that, that's right. Or... It's not something you do in the yard so no. much. Uh, just get out there no. and uh, yeah, change no. the oil in your Tesla. And what is the maintenance cycle uh, like on uh, one of these cars? There is no maintenance cycle. Yeah. It's literally, we guarantee two years and 20,000 miles, which is very unlikely for anybody to do that. That's our base guarantee, two years, 20,000 uh, miles. And they're, and they're all OEM LG or other manufacturers' batteries are not okay. something that um, you or I could just access on right. the open market. Yeah. Um, so very high quality batteries and battery technology is changing all the time. Um, but they should be good for 200,000 miles, which oh, is, wow. you know, be, I mean, far beyond ever what a do classic that. of the average classic um, car so user. So essentially, there is no maintenance, only the brakes, the LT230 gearbox. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Whatever. It's just the standard. Yeah, wheel bearings, Land. that sort of stuff. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, but long wearing parts. Completely made. What's very cool is we've developed a mount that goes from the motor into the uh, transfer case, or in the case of an E-type, straight to the rear axle. And it's got a reduction gear in it, a helical cut reduction gear, obviously professional grade. And you can choose the different reduction ratios depending mm. on the vehicle. But generally, the Defender or the Series would be what we recommend. You could mm-hmm. choose if you were going to use it for um, off-road, right. slow stuff. You, I guess you could change the 
You could even Russian go to a lo- an even torquier gear. Yeah. Just one thing I want to emphasize, though, and I know I spoke to you earlier about it. We're of a standard where we've got a contract by the Department of Defense, mm-hmm. the UK one, Ministry of Defense, to provide four prototypes for the British Army, mm-hmm. for defenders. Two of them are kind of like wolf mm-hmm. ones, and the other two are like the Pink Panther oh, with cool. the big machine guns yeah, 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 mounted yeah, onto yeah. them. So that kind of says about the quality of the engineering, yeah, the standard sure. of the strength. And obviously, they're going to be hammered to death. Yes, for sure. As in proving trials. So. Yes. Those will certainly do over 20,000 miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And really, uh, I think the motors are all IP68 or 67. Okay. So, yeah. Totally waterproof. Totally waterproof. Totally, you yeah. can put yeah. those through. You know, I, I would imagine you could probably put them through at least three or four foot of water. <laughs> certainly can cover them in water. Very cool. Everything's completely sealed. Completely sealed. So when we started this conversation, I I didn't realize it was about electrifying a Land Rover to to use as an electric power plant. I thought it was like making the outside of the Land Rover electrified. An an anti-theft. Yeah, security device. I think if you do it yourself, that that could happen. That could happen. Yeah, that could happen. I know you're saying that tongue-in-cheek, Ike, but literally, without word of a lie, when I lived in Papua New Guinea, it was so dangerous. We would drive through electrified fences literally with, with mains, we would drive through them, we'd drive the vehicle, and we had a big clamp, and we'd clamp 210 volts to the, because ah, it's, ah, um, ah. it's UK Euro voltage, yeah, 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 and yeah. we'd put that clamp on, we'd go inside, and we'd turn a big switch, and we would electrify the vehicles to stop them being stolen. Being stolen. And <laughs> so, you, so if this is something I wanted to do to my car, you can help. <laughs> you could help. You could help, yeah. No. Yeah. There's maybe a, the liability yeah, 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 yeah. would be. It's a gray area of legality. But, yeah, I did uh, not yeah, say that. <laughs> we even had mesh in the walls and the windows, uh-huh. and everything was electrified. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yes, we cannot do that. You cannot do that. Okay. You cannot do that. <laughs> Sounds like you can. <laughs> and finally, what is the... So, if I'm looking to... If I have the car, save the restoration, all that sort of stuff, but I want to take a vehicle, and what's the sort of average cost for doing a, a conversion like this? If I've got the car, and it's sort of ready to go, and I'm going to bring it to you or have the folks restoring it for me, uh, bring it to right. you to put in the electric power plant, what is the sort of ballpark? I know it's yeah. obviously probably much to the spec that you choose and the kind of Absolutely, vehicle that yeah. you're doing. But. I can't pretend to sit here and pretend that it's cheap. Right, yeah. It, no. it is not a cheap yeah. um, conversion. We do offer um, what we call the ele- uh, agricultural defender mm-hmm. process, and that's mainly a UK-based thing for farmers who still use defenders, and they're yep. dragging around four tons of hay, yep. Yep. which is actually a video on the website as well. Mm. That we don't really recommend, especially for the US, because the motor is the smaller motor, and it's literally just to drive you around your farm Right. And go to the pub. Right. And go to the local right. shop. Yes, uh, yes, you put yes. it, you sit at 40, 50 miles an hour on a freeway. We found out that the motor is just, it's, it will do it, but it's just getting a little bit warm because right, it's right. the air-cooled motor. So apart from that one, we're looking at a base price installed mm-hmm. at the moment at about, for the series mm-hmm. with the basic small pack at about 55,000, okay. 60,000, way up to, you know, an E-type or a Porsche with the big pack. Yeah. Yeah. The extended range, the big motor, and certainly one tenth, one thirties at around a hundred. Around hundred ninety yeah. to say hundred and ten. That's not that's not too unusual. You know, yeah. I feel like a lot of people are spending twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars on an engine conversion. Yeah. And oh, yeah. then that doesn't even include the, you know, transmission yeah, and right, yeah. drive lines yeah. and cooling system and all the other things that you need for uh for that. So yeah. I, yeah. I I don't think that's really too too bad. Yeah, and I imagine that the economy of scale there, the availability of part, that's only going to get less expensive. Uh, over Absolutely, the, the batteries you know, uh, we can, we're estimating are looking forward to the battery prices to come down significantly, yeah. and that is the biggest 
Right, yeah, the majority the, of the cost. The majority yeah. of the cost. Yeah, yeah, and the weight, I imagine. Yeah, the weight, and we haven't spoken about the weight, certainly in the series, is pretty much a war. Mm. By the time you take out a 485-pound yep. diesel yep. motor, and obviously the 300 TDI or something similar, mm-hmm. um, with a big pack, which you can put in the 110, because we put the extra battery pack behind the right. rear axle, yeah, the rear where skin. the original... Yep. Tank gas tank is. Yep. I'm estimating that I think they're about 40 or 50 kilos. So say 100 pounds heavier. Heavier. Okay. So not um, significant. The weight of a no. of a almost an extra passenger sort of. Yeah. And I don't know. There. I'm sort of spitballing here. Yeah. I don't know whether that includes the weight of the fuel itself. Right. But right. It, it's it's pretty much a war. Yeah. Not so bad. It, not yeah. So, it's not so, so bad so at bad. all. And yeah. and of course I guess you can always tune the performance such where I think you're already going to be higher performance than the diesel engine. Well, certainly yeah. uh, the performance, and I've got it on the chart, of a regular motor, not the really high-powered motor for a Defender, 0 to 60 is 10, under 10 seconds, and mm-hmm. for a Puma-engined Defender, it's 20 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, they are significantly fast, yeah. but not ridiculously. Right. So it more than compensates yeah, more than So if you yeah. wanted ridiculously faster... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will not do. We will not do that. Right. Uh, if you I want, want to go to turn, but it just doesn't. Uh, yeah. It just keeps going. Yeah, that's we're very much good. derating the motors yeah. for this series because yeah. there's no point doing 80, 85. Yeah. yeah. With 120 horsepower, which we could put into right, the series, right, right, we're right. derating that motor down to about 85, and it's very linear. You don't get 85 horsepower right. from go. 250 foot pounds of torque yeah. at zero. Yeah, no. at zero. It yeah. feeds in. Yeah. Well, um, I think, and we were speaking about this before too. I think the sort of magic part of it is to keep the joy of the original car, the uh, some of the whimsy of these cars that are you know powered appropriately and are fun to drive and all yeah. of that, and not make them into something that they're not. Right. I mean, it's not an electric go kart it's a little Land Rover, and it should sort of still feel like driving. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Land Rover. So I, and I even the that. guys who've got the Defenders, and you know, we look out here, and there's all these amazing Defenders, and I'm sure some of them have been mm-hmm. bumped up significantly. Yes, yes, but yes. it's the same way I feel about putting an LS3, or there's a guy at the moment putting a uh, Hellcat SRT 700 horsepower in a lifted yes, 90. I, I mean, that. it's just <laughs> insane. Yeah, no, opinion. we're already. I'm already picking out my outfit for his funeral. I uh, will attend. It'll be a beautiful uh, ceremony. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, it's definitely a having, Darwin Award. Yeah, yeah having ridden we'll... in a 700 horsepower 80 inch. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Have it, you? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. It, you know, it's better than you would think. Yeah. It's better than you would think. Yeah. yeah well, let's it's do not it. so bad. Okay, let's do it. It's not so bad. Let's it is it. a little terrifying, but yeah, it terrifying. is. Uh, it's not so bad. It, it's just. It's like an electric conversion. It's all about how it's engineered. If you focus on the engine. You focus on else. the amount of power yeah. and nothing else. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. But you yeah. know, if you if you build it accordingly, yes. if you match all of those components, it, yeah. it can be. It could be fun, it and it looks fun. like an eighty-inch, but really isn't anymore. It, no, yeah. absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's absolutely right. Not. That's right. Well, Andrew, where can people find out more if they want to know about uh, having their car converted, or just more about uh, uh, your company and what um, you're doing? It's a very long name, and I appreciate most people can't spell my first name because it's not Whitman; mm. it's Whitam. WhitamEngineering.com uh, yeah. and certainly through Electrogenic, um, without the S, Electrogenic.co.uk. Mm-hmm. Put uh, obviously it all in the show notes yeah, that's, as, uh, that's as well. Great. Yeah, that's great. It's a, we're not new, but it's a new and exciting part of the Land Rover experience, isn't it? And classic car experience. Absolutely. It's great. Uh, I think there's uh, definitely a, a growing niche for this type of vehicle, and I think demand is just going to increase. I get customers that call all the time asking about electric conversions. Can we do an electric conversion? And, you know, I think there is a tendency among Land Rover enthusiasts, generally speaking, to buy this car because they want it to last a long time or basically indefinitely. 
So I think some of the things you said about, you know, your warranty and your, how long you expect the car to last is really reassuring because some of these people, you know, they want to buy this car and have it almost as an heirloom. You know, they yeah. want to keep it yeah, for a right. long time. They want to use it for a long time. And I think that uh, this, this is becoming more possible. You know, I think a, a lot of people looked at electric cars as kind of like a laptop or a cell phone where it's incredibly useful for a limited period of time. Right. And then you dispose of it, recycle it, get a new one. But, you know, you're talking about uh, this this project as something that really can last a long yeah. time yeah. and be useful over a period of years and not just, you know, a short-term fact. Yeah, that's a really good point, Ike, because we all have that opinion, don't we? We buy our mobile laptop and we expect to change it in a couple of years. It's The ethos is completely opposite. Sure. Yeah. And, yeah. and we literally got a commission last weekend. And it hurts to say, but a one owner, family, one family owned E-Type Jag from 72, mm-hmm. 8,000 original miles on it. Wow. And I'm qu- cringing. But they said, no, nobody uses it. Yeah, right. Nobody wants to use it. We want to have this heirloom mm-hmm. to be able to use. And that's exactly your well, point. Well, I think uh, the fact that it's a reversible process, I think that uh, cars are only great if they're being used, if they're being driven, if they're agree. being enjoyed. Yeah. and. You know, if some point in the future putting that car back to original made sense, then, you know, you're like you say, you're not cutting, you're not doing all these sort of things. So it makes it, I think, a lot better. I think, uh, again, you know, we are very much in the mindset of if you're not using Land Rover out in the world, if totally you're not agree. driving your E-Type yeah. Jaguars and things, then... You might as well have a plastic model you in, might as well, in your exactly. living room. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. You might as well uh, just hang something on the wall and uh, so... Well, at that, Andrew, we appreciate it. Thank you for your time. You're doing some very cool stuff. And uh, again, we'll have all that information in the show notes. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll take the car for a spin. We'll shoot some uh, we'll shoot some video or something and uh, we'll get uh, I I could jump it over the uh, ski hill there. (laughs) Please don't. uh, (laughs) All right. Well, Andrew, thanks again. We appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Thanks for coming. All right. Well, it's very, very fascinating stuff. I think that, you know, the world of electrifying series Land Rovers is uh, or series cars or vintage cars in general is something that we're definitely looking at in the future. There's no happening. It's happening happening. now. Yeah, it's happening now. Uh, Engines are running out. Fuel is becoming something where there's a question again next year. But you know, something to think about. So it's kind of cool that there's companies out there that are doing the customization work and the drop-in kits and and things, and and that there's more and more firms like Andrews that are that are doing this work that you can. Buy I think the the more you get, the the more advanced they will become, the more durable they'll become. So you know, if you're an early adopter, maybe something to consider. Yeah, it's kind of cool if that third engine in your uh, in your car is finally blown up. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe it's time to consider uh, electric. You know, I I certainly think. Uh, you know, I'm going to reach out to Andrew about uh, Freelander electrification. I think that may be my next. Smart. Uh, Smart. Yeah. You know, it's just like you can only do so much before it's just time to abandon the drivetrain entirely and uh, go full golf cart. So, yeah. you know, hey, I like well, it. Yeah, I don't I don't dislike it. I don't dislike it. I think it might be the way to go. But at any rate. All right. Well, Freelander. if you haven't headed over to our Patreon to check that out, we ask you that to take a gander. Take a look over there. A little look. See, mm-hmm. see what's going on. We've got some. Uh, We've got some privileged and uh, proprietary content on there. We've got some uh, tasteful nudes. We've got uh, all, all if, kinds of stuff. If you donate to our Patreon, the Land Rover gods will shine down upon you. That's it's true. Exactly. It's true. It's Pass like the a, collection plate. You know, Here that's it comes. exactly right. It's like a it's like a cult uh, sort of a thing. You know, it's tithing. It's Land Rover tithing. I mean, you're already Join putting us. all those absurd parts and things into your Land Rover, knowing that it's not going to make anything any better. 
you know, why not to help us in the process? So we'd certainly appreciate it. And uh, at the same time, if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, heading there uh, and watching things, liking and subscribing, putting it on for your cat while you're not uh, there, uh, you know, letting them watch it while you're at work really helps us, really helps us out as well. So uh, anything, uh, you know, we're not saying you have to watch it, but man, if it's on in your house, we certainly do appreciate it. So with that, I think, uh, unfortunately, that's all the time we have. So we have run out of time again for uh, your uh, Nando's review. I, I apologize, but Damn uh, it. we'll make sure we schedule it into a future episode. All right. See you soon. The Underpowered Hour is produced by Liza Barris, Ike Goss, and me, Steve Barris. Pavel Svartov composed and performed our theme music. Consider supporting the show on Patreon, and if you already do, thank you. Your support makes the show possible. For even more, check out our Instagram or Facebook.